Did you know Delpo is the tallest Grand Slam winner at 6'6"? No, I did not. How do you think he flew in planes before first class? Honestly, I don't know. Do you think he can only ride in convertibles? He deserves to live his best life after all he's done for tennis, so yes. Hello everyone and welcome to Hold On To Your Racket, the podcast for Gen Z tennis fans. We're your hosts Josefina and Shravia. Shravia and I are so excited to be creating this podcast and sharing our love for tennis with you all. Josefina and I are two high school gals and tennis fanatics united together by our on-the-court and off-the-court companionship. And we're the female Gen Z voices in modern-day tennis you've been looking for, so we hope you enjoyed this episode and stay tuned for more. Well, hello, hold on to your racketers. You know, we don't have a name for our... I actually our, like that. We don't have, like, a name for our fan base. Wait, what about rap? Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, we've been looking at our, our listening stats, and this is, like, we're at our all-time yeah. high right now. Yeah. Like, after the end of the Australian Open, those Australian Open episodes were getting a lot of traction. So, thank you. Mm-hmm. We kind of just, like, sit down here after long school days and just talk about tennis. Yeah. So, we appreciate that you like our vibe. (laughs) But, yeah, maybe hold on to your racketers is nice. Racket holders. (laughs) Racket makers. Maybe we'll have to discuss this off record because... Yes. Honestly, my ideas are not up to par either right now. Like we said, long school day. (laughs) But um, we're going to start off with some hot headlines, which actually we haven't had any for a while, except for mm-hmm. all that Djokovic stuff. But then we kind of, you know, focused, hunkered down <laughs> on the that tennis. Stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we don't talk about that. I anymore. actually kind of forgot about that. Me too. You know what? Maybe that's for the best. It's been great with like the lack of his essence on tour yeah like i've been One, enjoying myself yeah i totally agree it's it's nice it, it really is nice one little interesting twist in the story though is that indian wells recently announced that they're requiring vaccinate they're mandating vaccination from all players so <laughs> i really think though like after nadal won i think he he's like like curse word it's throw any word it's time to see like how truly stubborn he is yeah i also just like even if he does get it great like finally but it took him that like it took him the idea of like winning something or like like a sports record or like something in his you know something like that to convince him when it was so easy in the first place i know but anyway like At least, like, it shows that the tour is doing the right thing to show, like, that all of their, like, all the restrictions that they're putting in place made the most stubborn person in the world when it comes to vaccination get vaccinated. That's an accomplishment. Like, that's... Sad that that it has to come to that, but if that's (laughs) what has... I mean, as long as no favors are being granted. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Agreed. So, like I said, hot headlines, and we're starting off with some fun stuff. 
you know? Because so, a lot of these are sad. <laughs> yeah, honestly. It was, yeah. Well, you can probably guess what the other thing we're going to be talking about is. But the first thing is Fidal. They're going to be partnering up at the Labor Cup once again. They're set to partner up at the 2022 Labor Cup later this year in September. which will Where be is it taking place? In oh. London at the O2 Arena where they used to have the ATP Finals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, these two just can't get enough of each other, can they? And like, we they can't just, get enough of them. They they can't. They just can't. Um, they had really adorable announcement posts. Rafa said, "If we're able to possibly share the court one more time as a doubles pairing, then this would be a truly special experience for us both at this stage in our careers." And Roger said, "I'm really looking forward to getting back into competition later this year, and Labor Cup is very much part of my plan." My I mean, plan. I can't. I can't, can't, like, forget the really adorable posts that they did, like, that Roger did for Rafa after um, the Australian Open, or, like, you were showing me, like, videos of the one-year Cape Town exhibition anniversary. I miss these guys, and I think you kind of, I think we're kind of coming to the point, tournament by tournament, where you kind of see less and less of them, that... It's almost getting to the tail end here, so at this point, I feel like it's it's all about just, you know, appreciating what they've done and continue to do for the sport because, you know, this, like, this is going to be good fun to watch. Yeah, but of course, like, less of them as in them together because Rafa's still yeah. very much on Yeah, Paya. that's true. That's true. But I guess I'm, I was thinking more, like, short, like, a little, like, few years-wise. But, yeah, you're right. Them together, it's like, like that big three total era is, like, slowly... Big two. Big two. <laughs> no, our third is Andy Murray. Oh, yeah. And honorary for this episode, Del Potro. Yes. Yes. So, yeah, that'll be very fun. I mean, we got to see them play doubles together in 2017 at the first Labor Cup and got so many iconic pictures, which they actually reposted as their announcements. Like, you know that picture of, like, I think it was... Rafa, no, Federer jumped, no, Roger jumped onto Nadal, and they were, like, hugging and flying through the air together. It's just so wholesome. And I cannot wait for more. Some of the funniest ones are when, like, Roger tries to coach Rafa, or Rafa tries to coach Roger during their Labor Cup matches. It's so cute. Or when they're sitting on the benches together gossiping about something. Oh, my God. They're like the dads of Team Europe. They really are. More like, honestly, they give me grandpa energy more. Rafa definitely gives. Actually, wait, they both give me grandpa. Both of them. Like, I feel like Rafa's, like, fun countryside grandpa, and, like, Roger's very much country club grandpa. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. I totally see that. All right, so there's some happy news to start off, but um, unfortunately, we also do have to talk about some sad news, which is Juan Martín del Potro's retirement, so a lot to talk about here. But last week, uh, Argentinian Juan Martín del Potro announced the possibility of his retirement following um, his match uh, at the Argentina Open, so basically saying that like the Argentina Open is probably going to be his last 
uh, tournament, and he had received a wild card there, and he hadn't played in three years since 2019, and he opened the tournament, uh, I mean, his first match at the tournament against fellow countrymen, and I believe they're also good friends, for, uh, Federico Del Bonis, and Del Bonis won 6-1, um, Not surprising, I don't think, at all. Yeah. But I think it was... First of all, what a tough position for Del Bonis to be in, because, like, you're both home players you're playing in front of a home crowd you kind of know that this is guy this is this guy's last match ever and like your friends and he's done so much for the sport and for the country like it's hard for him too i would i would <laughs> i would have trashed the match <laughs> yeah i don't even know it's just so sad yeah. um but i think the saddest part was like what i love about del potter is that and admittedly we were just talking about this before recording like both of us probably have more so witnessed like the second half of Del Potter's career when the bad luck I guess started happening so like the 2009 US Open I mean we were like in kindergarten or like in preschool so we didn't really know what was going on I think I just remember my parents being really annoyed that Federer lost in the final (laughs) but um I don't know like we kind of only got to see the second half of his career and I feel like for me it was um the Rio Olympics when I first kind of was like whoa like, this is awesome that he's kind of making this comeback from, I think, his wrist injury or whatever, and did so well there with the silver. But he's always been someone very open to showing his emotions on court, and that's what I respected about him, especially as a male athlete. And he did that, uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's amazing, and he did that um, this match as well, and it was really heartbreaking. Yeah, so... As you were saying, like, when he was about to serve for the last game, and it was pretty clear that it would be the last game of his career, which is yeah. a lot to it's take in. a lot to in. take in. Yeah, exactly. for, for him, for the crowd, just for everyone in general. And he basically burst into tears, and they just kept flowing. Obviously, he didn't get a penalty for the timing of his serve because he was really going through it. And I completely understand why. And then his fans in the crowd were phenomenal. You know, the Argentinians, they go crazy. And then they have the the song like, Ole, 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 del po, del po. And it's just, yeah, it was, I'm literally tearing up right now. (laughs) Yeah. Because I was explaining, like, the story to my mom of what happened on court and, like, his post-match conference and all that and I started like crying as I was explaining it and it's just it really it's just heartbreaking because this man gave so much to tennis and he wasn't able to get so much out of it he's like the biggest what if like (sighs) what if he were healthy and I think the saddest part is that he was saying kind of in some of his press conferences that like I just want to be living a life free of pain. And, oh my God, like, I just want to have heart. the life of a normal, like, whatever, 30-something-year-old. And just to know that, like, the like his passion is giving him so much pain and he can't continue, not because he doesn't want to, but more just because it's, like, the pain is so yeah, sad. Yeah, he was, like, yeah, he thought about it. Like, basically what he said in his press conference, or match conference, what it, what's it called again? His, post-match, um, post-match conference. Interview. Interview, yes. That mm-hmm. he basically said that, you know, there's nowhere he's happier than the tennis court. And 
Mm-hmm. He, but the thing is that he hasn't been able to sleep for two years without oh. immense pain. And he said that he, like, thought about it. He waited out. And he thought that even though I love this sport so, so much, I want to live the rest of my life just in peace. Like, mm-hmm. free from pain. And I just... It's like physical pain versus like emotional detachment of the sport that he loves so much. And it's just, I, my heart breaks for him every single time I think about it. And I think it it says something about the fact that fans our age, who again, only really got to see the second half of his career, like post wrist injury, right? Like when he made those like comebacks at the Olympics and stuff and at the US Open those few years. Um, and then I think he won either... I think he went Indian Wells yeah, um, or Miami. I don't remember Indian which Wells. one. Yeah, beating Federer. Um, the fact that we only got to see, like, that part, which is probably, like, after, like, the bad luck started kicking in, kind of goes to show, like, the impact he had that, like, even such, like, relatively new tennis fans, like, in terms of, like, how yeah. long we've been following the yeah, sport for compared sure. to, like, others, like, the impact that he's had and sort of, We've said this before, but, like, he's he's a teddy bear. He's just so sweet. His game is ridiculous, first of all. Like, obviously, I'm a fantastic tennis player, but he's just done so much for both his country. Oh, I remember when he won Davis Cup oh for yeah. Argentina. Like, it's just amazing to see him do those things, and it's just such bad luck. I know. No, like... For example, the Davis Cup, I think, as you were saying, like, since we're such young tennis fans, there's only so much we remember from, like, not really the early stages of his career, but just in general, like, taking notice Mm -hmm. of him. And for me, it was definitely, like, the Davis Cup because my uncle, he's from Argentina, and Mm -hmm. obviously, like, it's, like, so huge for all of Latin America because, I mean, (laughs) we don't win things so often. You know, Mm -hmm. when it comes to tennis, it's usually, like, Europeans like European tennis players so for a Latin American to like really headline the sport it's it's just so inspirational and also this was his first ever pro match that his mom was able to come and watch and she was like first of all she was giving such girl boss energy like I like that I I was whatever little bit I was able to watch like I appreciate like she she seemed really cool but that was also really sweet that kind of a, a very bittersweet full circle moment at the very least yeah yeah for sure but um yeah so just one quote from him from the uh, post-match interview he said I think I overdid it for two and a half years to try and resolve the situation and be able to play like I did so many other times sometimes I too can lose and I don't have the strength to continue that's kind of how I feel now I yeah when he said this it was like between like gasps of tears and it's just wow it was so painful to watch and yeah I don't even I don't even know how to explain it but because what this man was going through at the time is just you can't really mark it with the words it's Mm -hmm. just wow but if it's any solace like at least like he is making the right decision like oh for sure wholeheartedly like at least he'll be able to live a life where he's not 
in pain. Like, he no, that's what I'm saying. Like, whatever. I'm yeah. not. I'm not upset that he's leaving the sport. I completely exactly. support. I want the best for him, but I right. just can't imagine what he feels loving the sport so much and being forced to leave it. Yeah, and like it's even like what even not just the sport like it's so for anyone like to have such a big passion and not be able to pursue it or continue with it because of something that's totally out of your control like it's just the bad luck that sucks because if he had even a little bit more luck like he could have totally changed the way that we think about the big three and the way that we think about men's tennis for the past 15 years so just some food for thought um he also said in his in that interview today is a day i'll remember for my whole life i'm still yet to find a place where i feel happier than on a tennis court and now i want to be happy i gave everything i could until the last point i'll always remember this day but i feel like i have my whole life ahead of me and i can walk away in peace so difficult words for him to say obviously but as always perfect outlook on it and you you know at the end of the match probably uh, the most poetic moment was when he, you know, we, we've never seen him in, at, at, you know, aside from his like young teen years without his headband. So he left his headband, uh, like took it off and draped it over the net cord on right in the center of the court and kissed it. Um, and I wasn't able to see this live either because I think what they did was they, they cut off the stream at that point or something. I don't know what happened, but a lot of people in the in the States weren't able to see it because, like, tennis TV had geo-blocked it or something, which is annoying because we everyone was like, come on, guys. Like, we need to, like, this is not something we need you to be blocking right now. Um, but I, I also, I know Josephine was saying this before, but I also was crying after I saw that video. I was literally in bed, and I was like, oh, my God. Like it's 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 just sad because he it's was really all he's over. yeah, but I mean I don't want to make this so sad. Like I kind of want to take the time to maybe like just celebrate some of his accomplishments. Um, because considering all this bad injury luck he had, it's not like we're lamenting like oh he wasn't able to do anything. Like he had so much talent and he just like no he did like he was he's a hall of famer. Um, you know tennis player he won. Uh, four titles in a row on a 23-match winning streak when he was only 19. Um, and then was the 2009 U.S. Open champion, which was a huge surprise. First player to defeat Rafael Nadal and Roger Federer as a gra- at a Grand Slam. Um, and then that's kind of when some of the bad luck kind of started a few years after. But he did right with his wrist. Um, but he did have a lot of Olympic success. Um, so he's really had a lot of success when representing his country, which as you said, probably has a lot to do with the fact that when you come from um, a country that isn't really represented in that sport so well, this sort of stuff means a lot more, or or at least there's a lot of emotion there. Yeah, for sure. Um, And like you said, the Olympic success, he made bronze in 2012, and then four years later, he made silver in Rio, so he only kept getting better. And then he led Argentina to their first Davis Cup title in 2016. And like you said, this is all after, you know, he had already been getting trouble from that wrist. And that had always been a huge problem for him. But then also in 2018, he took the Indian Wells Masters titles, made it to the U.S. Open final and finished the year at number three in the world. And this is after like super long breaks of tennis and just not fully practicing to his potential obviously because 
he was injured for a lot of this time between his first um, Grand Slam and then that, like, U.S. Open final. But it just shows that how truly great he was because even when he was plagued by these injuries, he was able to shine and succeed on tour. And, yeah, it's just amazing. And something, like, going back to the uh, post-match interview... He even said, like, I, I kept hoping that the same would happen for my knee, that miracle mm-hmm. that happened yeah. with my wrist. Yeah. But um, obviously, I haven't been able to achieve that the same way. But still, the my point is that, like like we said, uh, like Shravya said, to look on the bright side, he was injured pretty badly with his wrist, and he was able to overcome that and continue his success. So honestly... That's pretty good luck, if you ask me. Yeah. Because at least he was o- able to overcome that, and we were able to see so much more from him. Yeah, like, his his perseverance definitely paid off. It's just, like, at some point, like, obviously, he, he he's, you know, it's commendable um, that he was able to sort of realize that, okay, like, this is, like, I gotta stop now just for my own, like, sanity and health. Um, he also, like, that in 2017 i believe reached the u.s open semifinals and that was this is probably one of like the most distinct del potro memories i have after probably the olympics and you know those olympic runs weren't easy he defeated novak djokovic to get that on on the way to getting that bronze medal i believe Mm -hmm. in 2012 and then ended up losing to andy in the rio final but um that was sort of andy's huge year as well um but I remember in the 2017 U.S. Open, there was that match on grandstand. And this is when, this is, I think, the first year that the U.S. Open had that new grandstand stadium. So people were really excited about it. And it's sort of now, if you've ever been to the U.S. Open or even seen it, like grandstand, it's kind of like that, that court where, like, all, like, where it gets, like, the most energy. Like, it's, it's like the smallest stadium court, but, like, free admission. So, like, it's always packed up with, for the good matches. And the energy was great. And he was playing Dominic team, And he'd lost the first two sets, like, 6-2, 6-1. And then he came back and defeated him in five sets. And the energy in that crowd, the Argentinian flags, the ole, ole, ole chant, like, that was just, like, insane. And then that year, he made a remarkable run to the... Um, semi so there's definitely like he's made that type of impact where like we remember these things um but yeah he won 22 ATP titles in total he is known as the unluckiest player in tennis history but I mean also he has a reputation as the gentle giant so I mean the amount of player support he got across generations of tennis players like Gabriela Sabatini was watching the match um, you have people from, like, the Chris Ever, John McEnroe era congratulating him, people from the Marin Cilic, uh, Big Three era, and then even, like, the young players, like, Shapo, Tiafo, Felix. Tiafo! Oh um, Tiafo had this really adorable post for him. So, again, showing you the generational impact that he has had, um, is kind of just goes to show you, like, that's what matters in the end, like, how you're the the impact that you left on the sport um so honestly great to see the only thing i would add is i sent out a tweet a couple of days ago tennis fan uh, well tennis fans who stand atp players without knees are, not, are a different breed or something like that <laughs> so josephina and i certainly fall into that category but yeah 
it comes with a lot of heartbreak, but with also a lot of love for for our for our so uh, so much guys. love. That's why I've spent the last three days crying. <laughs> exactly. That's why, like, we would we would have given up if <laughs> if there wasn't something left to um, appreciate. Okay, are we done with this sad story? Like, can we like make yeah. peace with this? <laughs> Hold on. Like, I don't... (laughs) Yeah, okay. I think I'll be okay. I will rewatch the interview many times, though. That's just gonna, like, send you down another spiral. Okay, but it's, like, appreciation. That's, like, one time where I was like, thank God I do not speak Spanish because... Or understand Spanish because... Yeah, exactly. That would make this a lot worse. At least I could, like, see the subtitles and it's a little bit of a disconnection. No, yeah, it was so painful to hear it in Spanish. Uh, wow, that was, ow. Anyways, we have okay. more news. But this 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 bit is happy. Yes, yes. But yeah, just for the record, you know, Delpo, good vibes, good vibes only. Our part was negative because you know we're selfish and wanted to see more of you, <laughs> but we want the best for you. That's it. And he's totally listening to this. That's why I'm directing. Yeah, that's why I'm directing with a you phrase. Do you think Delpo, because he's so tall, like, imagine his phone is in his pocket, right? And he plugs in normal headphones. Would they reach to his ears? (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah. Um, that's... (laughs) It's a valid question. Like, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, that's maybe they make like <laughs> elongated ones. Maybe. All right. Um, should we get to the happier news? Yes, we should. All right. So, <laughs> anyways, King Richard has racked up six Oscar nominations. Six Oscar nominations, and okay, this is a part. This is a moment of shame for me, but I haven't seen the movie yet. I'm gonna take you this weekend. That's it. That's the end of it. I don't know. I just haven't. I just never went. I just haven't been to a movie theater in so long. So when the movie came out, I was like, oh, I should, I should go watch this, and then I just like never did. And I don't have HBO Max, so I can't even watch it on HBO. But. I've only heard great things, and if the Academy says it's a pretty good movie... Then it must be pretty good. It must be a pretty good movie. Actually, well, I remember... This is so off topic. I watched Interstellar once on a plane, and I hated that movie, and then I realized that it won Oscars, and I was like, what? But I'm sure (laughs) King Richard is actually a good movie. Yes, it is. I can verify that as... Like, you can just call me, like, the film researcher... Like, that's mm. just my job. So it wasn't your job to watch it. So you're, like, off the okay. hook. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So um, it got six nominations, like you said, for Best Picture, which is, like, the most revered, you know, title Oscar. It's not title. This is not Tennis Man Award. And, like, you know, the Oscars, like, kind of Academy Awards shenanigan. Um, I'm really bad at, like, the terminology for this because I keep trying to say it in tennis terms. Yeah, exactly. And then we have Best Actor, Will Smith. Let's go. 
um, best original song, which was uh, Be Alive by Beyonce, who was actually nominated for her first Oscar. So, like, you know, Beyonce is a queen that is revered by many communities, not just tennis. Exactly. So, honestly, I think the fact that she got an Oscar for this, I think it'll bring some attention to tennis because the movie is about tennis. Which is actually it brings me to the thing about Venus and Serena and this family, like the Williams family. Like, I was thinking about this earlier. Like, their impact has transcended beyond just like setting tennis records. Oh, for and sure. And beyond just like sport. And I think this is like the perfect embodiment of that. Like, they have done so much to show like what um, you know women can do. Um, what, you know, like, in terms of black history, like, such great trailblazers there, American history, global history, sports history, tennis history, um, kind of just the way that they were really embodied, like, that work ethic, and it's, it's, I like the fact that, again, I haven't seen the movie, so, like, you can't really trust me on this, but Josephine, I wonder if you can verify for me, like, I feel like the fact that it's called King Richard and focuses, like, kind of, like, on the dad, like, kind of, like, his efforts coaching, as well as, like, the sisters, like, kind of showing how it was, like, that whole story kind of goes beyond just, like, talking about two tennis players, but everything, all the work that went into that. Yeah, because they, you know, obviously they talked about a lot of racial issues, like, Mm. sexism, all that was interconnected in the movies, because it's something that they faced growing up as athletes, you know, on tour, and it's just, you know, it's so amazing to me that, especially here, like in the United States, when people, when you say tennis, the first thing that comes to mind is mm-hmm. Serena Williams. It's not Roger mm-hmm. Federer, Novak Djokovic, Rafael Nadal. It's Serena Williams, 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it, yeah, their their impact has gone beyond just the sport. And they've made, not only have they done so much for tennis, as you said, like this movie and you know kind of is just an embodiment of how they're kind of continuing to bring more attention to the sport and growing the sport and you know we've talked about venus's activism a lot as Mm -hmm. well kind of uh a couple uh a few years back um but they've they've done they've done more than any than i see any tennis player doing in the next like in the foreseeable future like that like this is like they're true legends and you can't leave any part of that equation out of it. You can't leave Richard, you can't leave Orison, you can't leave Serena, you can't leave Venus. So it's like a whole, like they, they really are um, something, like a story that transcends beyond just tennis and has so much significance in our history. Um, but again, to continue on these nominations, they also got Best Supporting Actress for Anjanwe Ellis for her role as Venus and Serena's mom, Orison Price. Um, best original screenplay and best film editing and i thought serena's instagram post in response to this was so sweet yeah and she said in her caption i woke up to this our film is really nominated for an oscar this is crazy from compton to wimbledon to academy awards everyone can dream and your dream can come true okay i'm definitely crying this morning congrats to the entire film and crew so just so wholesome yeah and the only thing i would add is like obviously we haven't seen serena on court in a while her ranking has dropped a lot same with venus but the fact that like you 
But then I see like their Instagram stories, like with all their business They're ventures, happy. with all their success. They're, They're they have again like they, Serena has started her own fashion and jewelry line, which is like gorgeous, by the way. And like, the I Olympia there, posts so- keep me alive. Yes, yes. Like they like they like no one should be telling them like what they need to do with their tennis, what they need to be like they're at a point in their careers where they've done so much. No one is coming close to them anytime soon in terms of like impact and even like records wise, like if you talk about Serena especially. So they have transcended the world of tennis, you know, like even in their careers and their impact. So um really awesome to see that king richard has gotten this visibility in the oscars especially also might i add because the academy has known to be a predominantly white space oh yeah um, for sure. especially in terms of like the movies that it tries to um promote or like highlight as well so to see see this here is especially um promising and important but yeah and like, i have to watch the movie <laughs> <laughs> and just like in general the just like intersectionality is the only word I can think of because of like all the issues that have gone into their careers which were obviously portrayed in the movie since it is about them and you know especially um like in 2020 when the Black Lives Matter movement really got huge Mm -hmm. and then we see this movie a year later not saying Mm -hmm. that it directly was like was a direct result of that but I'm saying it came in good time to really emphasize that and it's it's promising. I mean, there's so much this left is left to be done, but I feel like this is kind of like a meta example of like their careers and like the impact they've had, and then this movie and the significance this has and getting so much attention from the Oscars, which are its own establishment. So I don't know if I articulate if I'm articulating it clearly, but basically this is impact, like, impact, impact. Yes, yeah. exactly, and. Um, this is, this is just awesome, and I, I really need to get tickets ASAP. (laughs) Um, we want to end our hot headlines section with, um, one more story that is very recent, just in the past few days, actually. Um, as you may know, the Winter Olympics are currently going on in Beijing. Uh, there's been a lot of talk, uh, prior towards boycotting them if the u.s would be boycotting them as well and they ended up not boycotting them i think the only thing they did was they're not sending any diplomatic um, officials state yeah any state representatives or representative like state officials or um like country officials or diplomats there which is like okay (laughs) okay but it's it's a tough thing again because like it's athletes who want to just compete for the sport, but then it's like, it, it's so complicated. But I think we've made it very clear in prior episodes when talking about the Peng Shui story that it's just not something that we feel comfortable really condoning. Like, it's just, it just feels icky. Yeah. Like, even, like, in my school, they're doing, like, oh, it's the Olympics week. Like, we're going to do a bunch of fun mm-hmm. activities, blah, blah, blah. And I'm kind of, like, looking, like, do you know what's going on? Yeah. Like, Okay, you do. And it's sad because I love watching the Olympics, especially the Winter Olympics, because they're all sports that, like, I would otherwise not really... (laughs) Curling. (laughs) Yeah, but it's just... I think the worst part is because Peng Shui is directly, like, was such a big star in China, is such a big sporting star in China. Like, she was their, their tennis star, like, the biggest one. And that 
this all happened and the IOC getting involved and it's just been weird. But let's get to what the actual story is that has broken out in the past few days. Yeah, so just a quick reminder, you know, the Peng Shui story um, that broke a couple of months ago after her Weibo post, which accused a very high-ranking uh, CCP minister of sexual assault. And then that was taken down very shortly after. And then she faced censorship and not only her but like her name on the website and other sites and just the word tennis in general and it was only seen in seemingly controlled she was only seen in seemingly controlled appearances since and a few of those were actually involving the ioc which was Mm -hmm. quite odd because then we had that huge like she was surrounded in stuffed animals and teddy bears yeah bit yeah and it was just you know it's so offbeat i don't yeah yeah um and so the past few days a few developments have come up so um kind of we've been able to actually like see her in public um at the beijing winter olympics she was seen watching eileen gu's ski ski performance her story is actually also very interesting um if you take the time to read about it she's an interesting athlete as well in terms of her um presence at the olympics and her nationality but that's that's totally separate from this but anyways <laughs> um she was so peng shui was in eileen gu's sort of like box i don't know that's like the tennis <laughs> term for it like again players like terminology is not gonna be perfect <laughs> yeah um and Eileen Gu is, of course, a, um, if you didn't know, a, a Chinese skier. So she was sort of supporting her compatriot. And then she also did an interview with Le Quib and had a private dinner with the IOC chair as well in Beijing. So a lot of stuff going on. And it's this interview with Le Quib, which is a French uh, sports magazine, um, that is the most intriguing. And in it, she said that her accusations and her posts were, quote, a huge misunderstanding in addition to implying that she is going to be retiring soon. Yeah, so just in general, like we said, a bunch of shady happenings and events that have really like been happening since the Weib- the original Weibo post, and since then she has not supported what she said at first in that post, and it's just so concerning to see because we've watched this woman be continually silenced and just even hidden at first it's just so scary and it's just not right it's a matter of human rights um but the wta has consistently requested to have an individual meeting with her but that has yet to happen and as we know you know steve simon uh like as chair of the wta he has good intentions when it comes to this situation and he wants his player you know free to speak Mm -hmm. what she needs to and we've seen that from his past actions yeah i mean steve simon um has really been uh 
very impressive i think it's it's been very reassuring to see his um firm action um on this whole situation and to see how much the wta really does stand up for its players um so he said in a february 7th statement in response to this interview um it's always good to see peng shui whether in an interview or attending the olympic games however her recent in-person interview does not alleviate any of our concerns about her initial post from november 2nd to reiterate our view peng took a bold step in publicly coming forth with the accusation that she was sexually assaulted by a senior Chinese government leader. As we would do with any of our players globally, we have called for a formal investigation into the allegations by the appropriate authorities and an opportunity for the WTA to meet with Peng privately to discuss her situation. We continue to hold firm on our position and our thoughts remain with Peng Shuai. So again, like it's clear that they like they just need that private meeting yeah. because otherwise like everything seems so weirdly controlled. Yeah, I totally agree. And I just really really appreciate the fact that, you know, Simon has been so clear in his motives concerning the situation because yes. usually when it comes to like when, you know, sports kind of com- intersect with politics like this, sports leaders are so quick to be like general about the situation, you know, really dance around it while seeming like the good guy. But he's been adamant that he is on a mission to not really save Peng Shui, but like really try to help her as much as he can in his power. All right, so after a very fruitful hot headlines discussion, which is pro- which is probably one of our favorite hot headlines discussion, a lot of interesting stories there, we want to give you a quick recap of the tennis that's been going on since the Australian Open, including uh, the main tournaments this week. So let's do a bit of a recap of and kind of check in on the Golden Swing, um, which is kind of that those two uh, clay court tournaments in Argentina right now. So... Last week, we had the Cordoba Open, which was a 250-level event, where (laughs) Albert Ramos Vignolas, the sixth seed, defeated Alejandro Tabilo, who was a qualifier, um, 4-6-6-3-6-4. And this was Vignolas' fourth title, and yay, like, fantastic. Yeah, so... He was the finalist in Cordoba last year, so, you know, he's had some success here. But, uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's pretty much it. But the uh, story of Tabilo is actually nice. You know, he qualified, he's Chilean, and obviously it's not a home crowd, but, you know, the Latin American community really supports each other, especially in South America. So he kind of had, like, that princess run to the final, so that was really nice to Mm -hmm. see. But then, as for current tournaments in Argentina we have the Argentina Open the ATP 250 taking place from February 7th to February 13th and some top seeds there are Casper Ruud who is a well-known clay expert which I actually kind of forgot about before he played here so then we have number two Diego Schwartzman and the third one being Lorenzo Sonego and our bestie, who we've definitely spoken about before, along with his brother, Juanma. We've spoken about Francisco Serendolo, who qualified, and now he's into the quarterfinals at the Argentina Open. And he is Argentinian, so, you know, that home crowd. 
Yes. Um, we also had the Tata Open Maharashtra in India, an ATP 250 event where uh, Joao Sousa. Oh my God, I cannot pronounce these names today. Joao Sousa defeated Emil Rusevori 7-6-4-6-6-1, which is sad for us because we are. Especially Josephina, big Emil's fans. This was Salsa's fourth title, Emil's first final, and um, was a chance for his first title, but alas. Uh, but, you know, he's been doing well this year. Made the semis at another 250 he played earlier this year. So, amazing stuff from him. And I'm excited to see how he continues to keep going. Yeah, and like we were talking about this before, you know, like it's just really cool to see tournaments and literally like halfway across the globe from each other you know in south america and in asian countries especially with like minimal tournament presence like argentina and india and just you know really spreading the love vibes of tennis around the world like to every i don't know why i chose those words but like you know every little corner of the earth needs to be covered with tennis knowledge exactly there's a lot more that can be done, obviously, but this this is really cool. That's why I kind of like the golden swing time, because you're seeing a bit more international, uh, non-Western presence of the sport, or like not so much in the, in the countries where you already see a lot of tennis. Then we have Montpellier, an ATP 250 event, or... Open Sud de France. I don't speak French. Beautiful. You did that. <laughs> we had the Battle of the Alexanders. Um, Alexander Bublik defeating Alexander Zverev, 6-4-6-3. Fantastic. Um, this was Bublik's first title after four finals. And it is disappointing that we have to relish in Zverev's losses on the tour instead of, you know, not having him there to begin with. But we are also Bublik fans, so... His jump at the end after he won was so sweet. And, I mean, he's also had a bit of bad luck in finals, but to grab that title bodes well for some other fellows who are having similar struggles, but who we will not name by name because we don't want to jinx anything. (laughs) Um, So let's talk about the action going on this week. Um, And we have the St. Petersburg Ladies Trophy, a WTA 500 event. Yeah, honestly, like, last week I had so much trouble not finding anything about women for, like, so long. But, uh, either way, you know, finally we have the St. Petersburg Ladies Trophy, the WTA 500, from, uh, February 7th to February 13th, as most tournaments this week are taking place at the same time. But, yeah, this tournament is so, so extra, because, like, last year they had on like dancing and singing performances before their trophy ceremonies and like honestly that's kind of unsafe for players because you know they can't like warm down and they're kind of like cramping up after matches but whatever it's okay anything anything for the show Yes. Um, we're currently have all the quarterfinals set up for St. Petersburg. So first we've got number one seed Maria Sakari versus number eight seed Elise Mertens, which is a great matchup. Maria Sakari has had an okay start to the season, but Mertens is definitely playing really well. Um, she lost to eventual finalist Danielle Collins at the Australian Open in a tight match, and she's played um, some two good three-setters versus Cornet and Martich already. So I feel like Elise could be um the winner in this one but we'll see 
Then we kind of have our dark horse quarterfinal, which is Teresa Martinkova versus Irina Camelia Begu. Martinkova was going to play Rybakina in the round of 16, but Elena pulled out. But Begu just defeated Petra Kvitova 6-4, 6-love, which is really sad for Petra, who's not having a great season so far. Um, and then we, we have the ever-wonderful Yelena Ostapenko. Yes, and she is the seventh seed, and she is going to be playing Alexandra Sosnovich. And, you know, <laughs> she's been bringing on the memes, you know, as she usually does. She's wearing Nike gear on court, but Adidas off court. So we're assuming that she lost her Adidas contract, which is, you know, pretty sad because she's a past Grand Slam champion, but like... <laughs> But, um, you know, she did that once. <laughs> That's yeah. basically it. But it's um, such a yeah. panko move to do this, like, Nike. Well, and it's not like she's sponsored by Nike. I think she's just wearing, like, like just a general all-black Nike kit. Like, yeah. ni- or maybe she is. I don't know. But whatever. Because otherwise, I don't think she'd be wearing Adidas off-court. Yeah, but it's, it's just funny. funny. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well... Yeah, that's just <laughs> what goes on with Elena. But anyways, our next quarterfinal is Belinda Benchish, the fifth seed, versus Annette Contevate, the second seed. And Contevate has won 17 straight indoor matches, the longest streak of any player in 10 years. And, I mean, it's pretty obvious considering everything <laughs> who our favorite in this matchup is. And um, if that wasn't clear enough, it's Annette Contevin. Yes, yes. The pictures he posts of her dog are oh so cute. And her friends also seem so cool. And I just realized this. Um, I don't know why. Uh, maybe, like, as a fellow uh, Scandinavian. Um, is Estonia a Scandinavian country, technically? It's, like, close enough. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> because it reminded me of Casper Rude, because... First of all, I don't know that he had a little brother. And not only that his little little brother is and now a Olympic gold medalist. I don't think it's actually his little brother, though. I think they really? just have the same name. Yeah. I think it's like a big joke. Oh. Okay. Well. But that would be so cool. Yeah. That would be like... like I this, feel like we would have heard if, like, it was actually Yeah. Real. Like the Corda family, you know. They're exactly. Just, yeah. All right, the other 500 event that we have going on this week is on the ATP side in Rotterdam. And we also have the quarterfinals set there with first seed Stefano Tsitsipas taking on Alex Damonor. So both are having really great seasons. Steph obviously coming off of the Australian Open semis. And Damon is really on a resurgent 2022. Um, she, he had a great Aussie swing um, back home and great to the round of 16 at the Australian Open. So... I feel like that's easier said than done um, for Plus in that matchup. Um, so that's definitely two strong players facing off. And then we have a very surprising quarterfinal here. Lorenzo Musetti versus Yuri Lehechka. First of all, I guess Musetti is back. I know. Like, it's, he got, like, remember, like, <laughs> I remember <laughs> at the French Open last year when he was playing Djokovic and he won the first two sets in, like, two tie breaks and then lost, like, 
it like with a bagel and then retired in the last set while he was losing 4-0 to Djokovic because he I don't know he was starting having some sub problems or something but Lorenzo has really been out of the loop for a while but he just defeated Hubert Hurkacz on an indoor hard court so um, that's impressive yeah and I mean Yuri has been having a pretty pretty amazing tournament as well yeah, he was a qualifier, actually, and, you know, he's been on that upset train that we see pretty often on tour. Took out Shapo in straight sets, and Shapo's been playing really well, so that was surprising and a little concerning because I thought he was going to... He, like, plays well in slams yeah. and then give just, like, go, girl, give us nothing. He's <laughs> saving that energy for Miami. Let's go. Um, And, oh, my God. This one is a little painful, guys. Um, he also defeated home favorite Pontic van de Zanschulp in three sets. And, you know, like, he's amazing and the best person ever. And, yeah, I worship him. Anyways, uh, yeah, the Shapo match, you know, Dennis's behavior on court once again is one of the headlines here so dennis was basically like complaining and whining on court (laughs) wow (laughs) about how the court surface is so bad apparently and then he said every single bounce is different who makes a court like this (laughs) he's just so annoying baby i know but you know we love him but like also get your act together mr (laughs) He's an actual... He's literally a boy. Um, he's literally... Yeah. I also think one of the best things that's happened in the past couple of weeks is that Botik Van Dezenslump has gotten a Twitter account, and he's actually fairly active there. And it's funny because there's a lot of niche Botik fans, I think, after his US Open run, including Josefina. Um, so you would actually love it there because they all give him love, um, as he deserves. He deserves then we have can- Yeah. In our uh, next quarterfinal, we have Cameron Norrie versus Felix Ogielisi in the third seed. Felix also had a great Australian swing and is going deep here, but we're just not going to jinx anything. Um, and he defeated Andy Murray in straight sets, who actually did defeat Bublik in straight sets. And in Bublik has before, been playing so. well, so I thought that was a good win. Yeah. And a really good show of sportsmanship was that Felix was had two match points, and in the middle of the point, Andy Murray's hat fell off. And Andy stopped play. And it's technically against the rules for... Like, a player can't call a let or, like, stop play themselves. Like, the umpire has to. And a ha- piece of... Like, a hat falling doesn't count. So I've the seen umpire didn't fall call off. It. Yeah, Alex's like, the umpire... Shoe, like, Demon's shoe fell off at one point somewhere. I forgot. Oh, really? But, like, yeah, it's funny. So, the umpire didn't call a let, but Andy was, like, trying to do it. And technically, like, the point would have kept going and Felix would have won the point. And, I mean, Felix didn't notice, so he did win the point. But Andy explained the situation, and Felix agreed to replay the point, even though in the rules he didn't have to because it wasn't technically a let call. So, amazing. I mean, that's what I love about Felix. Just great sportsmanship all around. And, obviously, it took him a couple more points to get to the finish line, but he was still able to do it. <laughs> like um, his counter- Canadian counterpart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Um, but we're hoping for some good things here as well. And then we have Andre Rublev 
you know, I feel like I haven't seen a lot of him lately. Yeah. Yeah. He, he is the second seed and also the defending champion because, you know, he used to be the king of the 500s and then I don't know what happened at the end of last year. But he's going to be playing Marton Fuksovich, who also, like, kind of a name that we've kind of been missing. But still, like, another one of those Rublev Fuksovich matches. Like, this happened in every tournament last year. It happened, like, five times. It was insane. But, yeah, we're going to see it again, and Rublev might win again. Yeah. All right. Let's bring it home with this last tournament. Literally home. Yeah, so we have the Dallas Open in ATP 250 taking place in Dallas, Texas. And uh, we don't really, <laughs> really want to talk about it because it's just like, you know, the the white trash tournament. But <laughs> I didn't say that. I mean, for real, Nakashima lost. So this is kind of a crime against humanity. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, this is really funny. I mean, like, okay, we can say what we want about Texas. Dallas seems pretty cool, though. Um, I always thought it was kind of weird that, like, okay, New York City, like, has the U.S. Open. We don't really need a 250 event in, like, a weird time of the year. And it used to be, like, indoor gray, gray, like, it was just, So, I like the Dallas red and blue courts. They're kind of cool. And they've been, like, packed with fans. Um... So maybe it's a good thing that they moved. Yeah. And our current quarterfinals are Taylor Fritz, the first seed, versus Marcos Giron. You know, we love Tay-Tay carrying through that Australian Open round of 16 success. And then we have Jensen Brooksby, the fourth seed, versus Jordan Thompson. And Jensen is back. We haven't seen much of him since the City Open. And he had a bye. No, since the U.S. Open. Oh, yeah. When he, he reached the quarterfinals. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> I was literally at that match. What is wrong with me? Um, anyways, uh, he had a bye in the first round. And then remember that he tested positive before the Australian Open. So he had to miss that. But he played a challenger tournament a few weeks ago and reached the semifinals. So it's great. So honestly, like the fact that we haven't seen him much is not because he's not doing well. It's just like a bit of bad luck since he tested positive. But uh still like Tate and Brooksby, let's go. Yeah. Then we have Vashek Pospisil <laughs> versus John isn't in the third seed, which is like actually look but if you are thirsting for ptpa love look no further than this match because you you have it right there like i don't know like like there you go like served on a platter um and then our last quarterfinal will be riley opelka facing off against the match the, the winner of the match that's going on right now between adrian menervino and yoshito nishioka all right that was that was a a full recap Lots of ATP tennis, sadly not so much WTA, but quality over quantity because I would rather watch St. Petersburg than probably any of these other tournaments right now, sure. just because St. Peter- Petersburg always delivers. But um, yeah, I mean, we have a couple of our favorite players doing well right now so on both sides, so let's hope they can keep it going. Mm-hmm.
Thank you so much for joining us, and that is game, set, and match for today. If you liked this episode, please let us know and stay tuned for more. We'll be providing you all the coverage of the rest of the season and, of course, all the tea on tour. Email us at holdontoyourracket at gmail.com for any questions and leave a rating on whatever platform you're listening on. Hold On To Your Racket is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on social media at Hold On To Your Racket on Instagram and at H-O-T-Y-R underscore tennis pod on Twitter. Our next episode will be released as the spring hardcourt season continues. And remember, my name is Josefina. And my name is Shravya. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to hold on to your racket until next time. <laughs>